Broadcasting from a sex-writing cave somewhere in the middle of the internet, this is The Smut Lancer Show, a weekly podcast where we discuss writing about sex and getting paid to do it. The Smut Lancer podcast is hosted by Kayla Lords and Molly Moore, two sex bloggers who have more ideas than they have time in the day. If this is your first time listening, glad to have you. If you're back for another week, welcome back. The Smut Lancer podcast is produced weekly, except during those times when we finally admit we need a mini vacation. Show notes are found at thesmutlancer.com. When you're ready to take your smut lancing career to a new level, join the Smut Lancers community on Patreon. For as little as $5 per month, you can ask questions, get answers, and interact with both Molly and Kayla and an entire community of other people who create content about sex and want to get paid to do it. Head over to patreon.com slash thesmutlancers. That's patreon.com slash thesmutlancers to learn more. Welcome back to the Smut Lancers podcast. We think it's episode 63, but numbers are hard. That's why I'm a writer. Um, but I do know what we're talking about today. So that's probably the most important part. Who cares what episode number we're on? Uh, it's a pretty big topic. It's, I think, something that a lot of people are going to go, yeah, that's, yes, yes. And that is imposter syndrome. And I want to do a spoiler alert right up front for everybody. Yes, both Molly and I still have imposter syndrome. Like that's let's not even pretend. Let's not even act like that's that's a secret. It's not. Uh-huh. Definitely still have it. So I think a quick definition just in case somebody's like, I keep hearing about this, but what the hell is it? Um, I will link in the show notes to an article I wrote about it ages ago. But basically, imposter syndrome is this thing this feeling that you don't belong, that you're not good enough, that you, somebody's going to, my, for me, it's always somebody's going to tap me on the shoulder and go, who the hell do you think you are? That you're not qualified Mm -hmm. to do the thing you want to do, that because other people do it better or you admire them, that you're no good and what are you doing here? Um, And I even read a fascinating thing that talked about um, people who follow the fake it till you make it thing to gain confidence can kick themselves in the butt with imposter syndrome because they faked it so they're still in that mindset of oh i pretended to be something i'm not and here i am and clearly it's because i'm a faker and not that i got here on my merits so Uh that is how i understand imposter syndrome molly how do how would you describe it what does it mean for you um yeah i think totally it's that feeling you get when um you are convinced that you're, I, I think, just not good enough, that you are, you're not there for, on the right merits, as you said, that you're not qualified, in inverted commas, to be what you say you are. Um, and, yeah, I think it can appear at all kinds of times. And I think for probably everybody, maybe it's one of those things that's a bit, that you perhaps need to define for yourself, because maybe we all feel it, and experience it slightly differently because it is, it's, you know, it's all about your personal experience of it. Um, but yeah, it's definitely that sensation of like, why would anybody be interested in what I have to say or what I'm producing or, you know, that, those kind of feelings. So that leads me to the big question since, spoiler, we both feel it. How <laughs> do you define it for yourself and when do you feel it? 
Um, okay, defining it for myself. I mean, I, I think I've just defined because I just defined it for everyone. So, I mean, it's those it's those feelings of inadequacy and self doubt, and they can be very crippling. Actually, I think they can lead to other. They can lead to you being not productive. They can lead to you talking yourself out of doing things. Um, they can lead to a kind of form of writer's block or creative block. Let's call it because you might not necessarily be writing. Um. And I think that you can, they can also be a self-fulfilling prophecy where that you, you know, a spiral where like you think this thing. So as a result, then you don't do something, but then you feel bad about that. And then you think again, that you're just not good enough. And so then you just keep, get trapped into that loop of it. Um, And when do I experience it? Wow. That's about, I think for me, certain things can set it off i would say that i have improved greatly that i certainly felt it more okay actually not early on like early on i think i was full of the confidence of newness where i was like this is all terribly exciting and new and i'm just doing a thing and who really cares if i've only got 50 readers and you just do stuff like um it's as it kind of builds more and certainly as i started to try to think that maybe this could be a source of income in a way, I think, where I it started to probably appear more often. Um, and I think one of the first times I can consciously remember, like I can give you a real example of it, was the very, very, very first Eroticon way back when, before we were running it, which I want to say was in 2012. Um, and I was asked to be on a panel um isn't it awful that i can't quite remember exactly what the panel was about that's terrible um but i had a massive crisis of confidence just prior to that and and prior to going to the conference because suddenly i was like i'm going to meet all these people who i know online who are my peers who are you know all these other sex bloggers and erotic writers and what the hell do I know about anything? Like, who am I to to speak on anything? And I was so nervous before that conference, like in the couple of days beforehand, I was almost like, I don't know if I can go. I don't know if I can like manage this. And I'm pretty sure anybody who's met me or knows me in real life will probably be like, really? Um, because I don't ever really come across like that. Um, but I really was like, I, I think... I don't want to say it's possible that if I, Michael hadn't have been with me, I could have maybe talked myself out of going. Um, that's how like close I was. I will say he was very good at being like, this is going to be fine. Like people want to meet you. You're overthinking this kind of thing. So that was really helpful. But certainly that was a time that was one time I can remember where it was like a huge thing where I was utterly convinced that and the whole once I got there I was better but I still felt like through the whole conference there was this inside me this fear that at some point someone was going to go you why are you here what do you know about this like who are you like you've been blogging for like seconds compared to some of us and so there's that constant fear that someone's going to call you out and be like actually what are you and who are you and why do you get to speak to us and of course that never happens of course, it never happens. Um, but it is a real, like, genuine fear. 
and, and um, it can be quite debilitating, I think. I, I absolutely agree as somebody who has had that feeling many, many, many times. <laughs> and it can, it can, you can talk yourself out of things easily. If, uh-huh. and, and I agree, there are times that if I didn't have John Brownstone going, you can do this, you're capable, uh-huh. or he, he'll go, baby girl, I'm going to be right there looking at you. You just look at me and ignore everybody else. When I have those moments, I can um, absolutely do it. My knees will knock. <laughs> yeah. My voice will quaver, but I can do the thing, whatever it is. Um, I think that's probably like first tip of this as figure out your support system. Um, no. I've literally just written down as you were talking cheerleaders. Yes, because it's not always going to be a significant other, a partner, a spouse. Yeah. It doesn't have to be. It can just be somebody that you trust and they trust you. And when they, you know, it is a decision you have to make though, to believe them. It is a, it's a conscious choice to go. I'm going to listen to this and not the voice in my head. Um, yes. And I know some, as somebody with generalized anxiety disorder, cause that's fun. And I know a lot of, um, creative people tend to have some level of anxiety, um, the first truth I ever learned about any part of my mental health was my brain will lie to me. And so imposter syndrome is not necessarily an anxiety disorder, although it can be exacerbated by your anxiety, in case you hadn't figured that out yet out there. Um, but if you can get that truth in your head that your brain will lie to you, do not believe all the things you think. Uh, I used to kind of think that was a weird saying that I would see uh-huh. in memes. And then I went, Oh no. Yeah. Don't believe all the things you think. Um, so when you find your cheerleader, there's a fellow blogger or a partner or just your like best friend in the world. Um, you have to believe them and know that your, yeah. your brain is probably lying to you. Um, so yeah, that, that has been a huge help to me too, that, that, yeah, I've, I've got that support. And now, you know, I've got a building a community. I've got you, Molly. I've got uh-huh. other bloggers. I've got my audience. You know, I listen to them. And if my audience is giving me positive feedback, then that means my brain's lying to me and the audience knows what they like. So Right. And I want to say um, that the Smart Lancer patron community, which quite frankly, if you're having an imposter syndrome or any problem with this, I totally think you should join because if I wasn't running it with Kayla, I would actually totally join. (laughs) Uh, Because it's been brilliant, actually. I don't think when we started it, we um, envisaged that being um, a byproduct of it was that we would find ourselves um, getting as much from that community as I hope that we are giving to them. Um, and just this week in particular, um, for me, I'm going to sneeze. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry. Bless you. That wasn't very helpful. Um, I'm pretty sure that's not podcast etiquette. <laughs> um, that, um, you know, I've been having a bit of a tough week. I would admit that. Um, and actually sharing that in that group, which is a kind of small but nurturing and very friendly group has been really helpful and people have given me advice as much as I've been giving advice so finding whether you find that through friendship or you join something like the Smart Lancer group oh Oh my goodness I'm sorry (laughs) 
And that would be... I must be... I think I'm obviously... I've got some kind of, like, a- allergic reaction to imposter syndrome. I was just thinking, exactly. You're allergic <laughs> to imposter syndrome. So, <laughs> so um, yeah. Speaking of the Patreon community, it's patreon.com slash thesmutlancers, with an S on the end, the smutlancers. So, yes, please feel free to join us there. But that kind of group has been brilliant for, I think, if I hope that, that, I mean, I'm assuming, otherwise, why would they be paying and joining in if they're not getting, feeling that too? Um, but just being able to have some, like a small group like that where you can turn to and go, you know what, I'm really struggling with this thing. And other people are like, oh, me too. Here's what I found useful. Or, you know, it's actually okay to do that. Or, um, you know, all those kind of things. He's been really, 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 really helpful. I can't, I can't advocate for it enough. And I know it probably sounds like I'm literally just trying to sell my own product. Um, but I'm not because basically what I'm telling you is that if you don't want to join us, then like make your own little group or nurturing community or that's my advice. Find a group of people, make a WhatsApp group, however you guys want to do it. Um, so yeah, I would totally obviously advocate for you to join us, but I'm also saying the whole concept of it is really beneficial. And if you, you can create those yourself too. Exactly. And I think it has to be a conscious effort. If you are trying to achieve goals, uh, whether it's trying to make money or build an audience or just start your blog, like whatever it is you're trying to do, and you have that little voice in your head that's telling you, I'm not good enough. Other people are better. They're going to figure out that I don't know what I'm talking about. Somebody's going to show up and tell me I suck. Like all of that stuff. Um, it has to be a conscious effort to move through it. It's not easy to do that. It is absolutely a process. There will be days you'll take two steps forward through imposter syndrome. You'll go into a Slack group. You'll talk to your best friend. You'll do something big. And then the next day you'll have a step back. I mean, it is, it's a constant back and forth. Um, and you know, just so you know, I said, I feel imposter syndrome. Yes. Like Molly. All those feelings, all those feelings she described I had. And I went through the same thing. When I started my blog, I was like a puppy let out in the yard after being closed up all day. I was so excited. I was like, this is a space where I can write about sex and I have things to talk about. And I knew nobody was going to read it. I'd been blogging as a vanilla writer under my legal name for a year. I knew it took forever for anybody to see it. So in the beginning, I was just excited to write. I was just excited to have the creative outlet uh-huh. to be able to share what was on my mind. And it was as people started reading that I went, oh, oh, shit. Uh, people can actually see these words. Uh, <laughs> what? And... <laughs> It, it was it was a revelation to realize that other people could see what I was writing. But the the first time for me that imposter syndrome, the first two times, because they were almost simultaneous, the imposter syndrome really hit and it hit hard was the first time I decided to uh, self-publish a little bit of erotica. Uh, people still read it. And I always look back at it and go, oh, it's not even that good. But you you go ahead and you just read it. It's fine. Um, and the very first time I tried to write, or I didn't try, I did, I wrote advice. Like I wrote my opinion in a way that wasn't, this is my personal story and this is what happened to me. It was, here's what I think about a thing and here's how I think you can approach it. Now, that was probably back in 2013 or so. It's, I don't remember which uh, blog post it 
is anymore. It's still one of my highest viewed blog posts, which is weird. And I remember writing it, sitting on it, asking John Brownstone to read it for me, going back and editing it. Like I don't edit a lot. I edit so that I don't look crazy or like I don't know how to type or whatever. Um, but I don't sit on content for days and days and days. And this was one of those times, both the book and the, the blog post, I sat on it for days and days. I was like, no, if I put it out, people are going to know that I'm, you know, they're going to call me out. They're going to know they don't know what I'm talking about. I'm clearly I'm wrong. Um, and both of those times it was a hit publish or a put it out into the world. And I just sort of sat back and I don't, I don't anymore chew my fingernails, but I did at the time. And I just sort of chewed on my fingernails and both watched my mentions, my email, my comments, and also tried not to watch my mentions, my email, uh -huh. <laughs> because I was, I wanted it to go out there and be a success. When you put your content out the world, out in the world, it's like sending your baby off to school. You want it uh -huh. to do well. But, mm -hmm. but also I was terrified that, you know, all of the things that I, my lying brain told me, you know, nobody wants to hear your views. You're not right about this. Um, this is going to suck as an author, as an erotic author. And this is part, not all, but part of why I don't write a lot of, I don't publish books anymore, uh, erotic fiction at, at least. Um, that is my biggest source of imposter syndrome because I am constantly waiting for somebody to tap me on the shoulder virtually, of course, and say, this sucks. You don't know how to write. I never have had a problem with people saying, well, that's not really kink or that's not really BDSM or that, that because I know all of my writing is based off my own experience. So I can laugh that off. Like you can tell uh -huh. me you don't think that's real and I'll go, okay, in your life, it's not real, whatever. But if somebody comes up and says, God, Kayla Lords, she doesn't know how to put two sentences together. I will crumble into the ground. I will just be, I'll be dead. I'll just be dead on the ground. That is, and only with erotic fiction, only as an author, an erotic writer, as a, a nonfiction, erotic nonfiction That's blogger. so odd. Why is that? You're like, I, why is that? I, you know. Your Achilles heel. I don't understand. I think it's because I... One, like a lot of us, I'm a, an avid reader. Um, I go through okay. I go through times when I don't read because life gets busy. But when I read, I immerse myself into books. And I um, am very critical and picky about the books I read. And if a book, if I start reading a book and I'm like, ooh, too many typos or ooh, this is, I'm, I'm gone. Like we're not, I don't force myself to read it. So I'm very much a reader. And I know I am that typical writer reader where I know what perfection in my head looks like. Cause I have read those kinds of books. And okay. I can also tell you, I am not writing that. Um, also I never, that's not true. Not never. I, it's been since I was a little kid that I wanted to be a book writer. Like there is some in my brain, there is some prestige that goes along with writing books that now in 2019, um, I still feel that way, but I'm not scared of it. In 2013, 2014, I was terrified because I was like, I am not a book writer. I'm a blogger who, where it's okay that my, you might have a typo. Yeah, you try and fix those typos, but it's okay. It's okay if you know, you're, you're, you contradict yourself a little bit because it's just my thoughts and my experiences. 
but a book, a book is something different. A book is something monumental and permanent and only quote, and this is so wrong. This is how my brain worked at the time. Real writers, put the air quotes around that. Uh, only real writers write a book. And I just was terrified. I, um, it took me three years to finish a teeny tiny little series that I did that was totally not totally based off of me and John Brownstone, but close enough. Like that's us. The, the situations are different. The life is different, but the people that's us. Like I just immersed myself in it. And then I just waited. Like every time I'd put a book out, I waited for somebody to leave a review or leave a comment or come at me and tell me that I was not a real writer. I, and I had kind of the same thing when I was writing my first advice piece or opinion piece on BDSM, where I was like, here's what I think you should look for. And here's what I think you need to be worried about. And here's how I see it. And on that one, the imposter syndrome was a lot lower because I coached myself through it. So what I did, and I still do this and it now feels natural. It's like, I don't even think about doing it, but I know I do it. I look at what I've written and I say, okay, does it meet certain criteria? Meaning, am I excluding anybody on the basis of gender, sexuality, orientation, identity? Like, am I saying that the only way this thing happens is if you fit these boxes uh -huh. in this criteria? No, I'm not doing that. Okay, check that box. Am I saying stuff that I do not believe? If somebody came at me and wanted uh -huh. to fight me on this online, virtually fight me. Can I defend this? Yes. Okay, check that box. Um, is this what I believe and what I have experienced, which is why I try and do most of my advice from my personal experience. I don't do a lot of research on things I don't know anything about because mm, that's hard, a harder sell for me. Okay, this is something that I have witnessed, I have seen, I have done. It might not be the right way. I might grow out of this. I might change my mind in a year. But in this moment, as I'm hitting publish, or as I'm saying it, this is true to me. Check. And if I could do that, then I could put it out there into the uh -huh. world. And that was one of my ways of lowering my imposter syndrome. I had to think about what is it that makes me feel like an imposter? What is it about uh -huh. this content I'm creating that makes me go, oh my gosh, somebody's going to call me out. They're going to tell me how much I suck. Uh, what? I don't know anything. I made that mental checklist and I made sure every piece of content that went out, I could at least say I had done that. I might get still get something wrong. Somebody might have a differing opinion. Somebody might teach me something by having a differing opinion. But I knew that by my standards of what I was terrified of the most, I had done uh -huh. my best. And then this is an anxiety trick I learned. So feel free to use it for imposter syndrome. Um, I tried to imagine what the worst thing was that could happen. Like, what was it that was making me feel like an imposter? Okay, putting my content out and it being wrong. Putting my content out and having said something wrong or offended somebody or whatever. And I was like, okay, if that's the worst case scenario in this situation with my, my how-to informational advice kind opinion kind of content which I now have two entire websites dedicated to. So I guess I must've gotten over that a little bit. Um, what if the worst case scenario happens, what am I going to do? So I made a plan because I am an anxious person and planning is very soothing to me. Even if I never use the plan, I like to have a plan. And the plan was, okay, if I get called out for, um, 
uh, not being open and accepting enough and, and, and being too heteronormative or too exclusionary, well, then you apologize for that. You'd give a sincere apology because that would bother me if I had done it. Sure. And then you fix it and you fix the mm-hmm. content or you whatever. Okay. Worst case scenario, somebody comes to me and says, you don't know anything about this topic. Who are you to talk about it? Well, in mm-hmm. that case, I had to kind of big myself up in my head. I had to remind myself of who I was and why mm-hmm. I was the one creating this. Not because I had years and years of experience, which today I can do, but because my content came from a place of authenticity every time, I could say, you maybe haven't had this experience, but I've had this experience. I've lived this experience. I've seen this. I've witnessed this. This is part of my reality. So you right. you can say, I don't know what I'm talking about, but I know my truth. So mm-hmm. in the beginning, and even now, I really only can write and speak from a kind of a place of truth. The only way I can't do it is if I'm asking questions, which is why I like to ask Molly questions, because I'm like, ooh, I might not have a clue about this, but Molly does. Let Molly talk. And then it'll spark a thought and I'll have a way mm-hmm. of you know, engaging. But those, that in the beginning was absolutely my imposter syndrome. And I really do think that writing books is still there a little bit. The, oh, and if you ever decide to be an erotic author or you are an erotic author and you have this kind of imposter syndrome, the number one tip I can give you, totally, totally can give you, don't read your fucking reviews. Just don't. Just don't read them. Mm-hmm. Reviews are not for writers. Reviews are for readers. Don't read them. The, not You'll be tempted. You'll get a good one. Somebody will give you a five-star review. You're, you'll, the validation will just sweep over you. It'll feel amazing. And then the next one will be a one-star review, and you'll be crushed. And the only thing you'll be thinking about is that one one-star review, not the dozen five-star reviews. And just, yeah. just don't. Just don't. I've seen that from a lot of writers, actually, like on Twitter and stuff. That seems to be a general consensus, particularly people who are like actually publishing, self-publishing, rather than just, you know, blogging their stories of be like, just don't read that. Don't read the fucking reviews. Just don't. Like, it'll, it'll kill you. It's just, and there are people who just write ridiculous things just for the sake of it. Yeah. There are people, I know that there are people who like, oh, it was fine, but I had to pay 99p for it. And it's like, fuck off right. you're lucky I, we didn't charge you 50 dollars for this okay like yeah so yeah no i think that's a really good a really good idea so my question because i i have thoughts so i'm going to ask you because i want your thoughts first okay go um on. over time has yeah has your imposter syndrome changed okay so i've been thinking about this because you mentioned this before we actually started recording and I don't know if it's changed. I think what may have changed is my ability to manage it and to understand it, maybe. is probably more what's changed. I think that... Um, and the times when I feel it has changed. So, like, if we go back to that original eroticon and me being, like, um, this is just feeling sick the whole time and it was awful... Um, Obviously, as the years have gone on, as subsequent eroticons have happened, and then lo and behold, I end up basically fronting eroticon, um, you, that has kind of gone away. That doesn't mean that I don't still have the odd moments where I'm like, particularly the first eroticon that we did in 2017, kind of brought some of those feelings back up again. It was like, oh my God. And actually I was fine up until about 10 days before. And then I suddenly had this like, oh my God, it's actually going to happen. All these people, my community have given me money 
to provide them with this thing that could be shit. <laughs> and that's not going to be good. Like, who am I to, to produce this thing? Actually, obviously, it was a great success. Everybody loved it. Hopefully, nobody felt like they had given me money for nothing. Um, if they have, they have never mentioned it. So, yay. Um, but, yeah, so it certainly triggered then. I think the difference is not this, the imposter syndrome so much as my ability to recognize it for what it is and have probably put in place things that help me to deal with it. So actually on, on that occasion, I actually wrote a blog post about it, about how nervous I was about it happening. Like now this was it, it was literally gonna happen. And so many people left me lovely comments, which isn't actually why I wrote it. I wrote it just to get it out there, to get it out of me, because that can be often very helpful to me. That's something that I've learned, like getting it out of me actually helps me to deal with it. So I wrote that blog post, felt better instantly having written it and published it. And then on top of that, as an extra bonus, I got lots of lovely comments, which was nice. Um, so it's like a kind of, you know, bonus part of it. Um, so I think for me, yeah, I don't know that it's changed. As I said, I think how I cope with it has changed. And I think my ability to recognize it for what it is has changed and to cope with it. And like you said, to know that it's kind of my brain being a bit of a dick. Um, and I think that earlier on, I was less uh, self-knowledgeable in that way. And so probably listened to my brain or believed my brain a bit more in those situations than I do now. Whereas now I can kind of see it for what it is. Doesn't mean I don't experience it. Doesn't mean it doesn't have an effect on me. Doesn't mean that there aren't times when I don't do a thing that I should do. But that I think I tend to recognize it earlier. And a recent example was a, um, I saw a call for um, a photography exhibition um, about men. Um, the subject was men and some other people other bloggers put in some of their work and I didn't because I said that I didn't have time to think about it and concentrate on it and Kayla's making a face at through at me if you could see it you would feel like your mum is looking at you in a slightly disapproving manner it's that face your mum makes where you say a thing and your mum's like this is some first level bullshit right now <laughs> but I'm going to let you say it. That's the face that she just made at me. Just so you know, I'm sharing because this is obviously a podcast and none of you can see the specialness of that. Uh, but she's right, you see. That's the problem here, but we probably shouldn't tell her. But she's right because I said, I don't have time for this right now. I'm very stressed. Life is very difficult, blah, blah, blah. I don't have time to sit down and find the good pictures and read the um, the call and make them the right size. And anyway, I don't know that I have any good really pictures of men because I mainly take pictures of me. And, and so I, I dumped it. I didn't do it. And then, um, you know, time went on and I kept seeing it online, like the deadline hadn't come. And about three days before the deadline, I was suddenly realized that I'd made a hideous mistake and that actually I had 
allowed imposter syndrome to talk me out of doing it is the honest truth and by then it was genuinely too late I just did not have the time at that point to spend like it literally the call was like ended in two days and I just didn't have the time to sit down and do it and I look now at some of the pictures I've got in and I regret that because I'm like actually I think I probably could have put something in and it might have done well and if it didn't so what um so yeah I just want to point out that even though I say I'm better at recognizing it that doesn't mean that it doesn't like trip me up and fuck me up sometimes and it certainly fucked me up on that occasion it probably doesn't help that life has been very stressful that this year has been very different for me that lots of parts of my life that were um, I don't want to use the word stable, but were were a thing have have shifted quite dramatically, um, and so dealing with all that and still trying to be productive and creative has been like an extra challenge. And I can't blame imposter syndrome for that so much as just kind of being fucking overwhelmed with stuff. Um, but I think on that occasion, I think the honest truth is that imposter syndrome probably had quite an, quite an impact, but I convinced myself that it was something else. The difference is that I feel able now to identify that behavior in myself, even though it tripped me up on that occasion, even though it stopped me doing something, I know it for what it is. I can point at it. I can be honest enough with myself that I can actually fucking tell all you lot about it. <laughs> what an idiot I was in that situation. Uh, that, you know, Kayla can give me the mum look because um, she completely knew what was coming the minute I said those words. Um, so I think years ago, I probably would have denied it still. I probably wouldn't have, maybe not even recognised it for what it was. Or even if I did, I'd have been like, no, no, no. It was the right thing to do because who wants to see my photos anyway? Whereas now I think I can be, I'm much more honest about that and self-aware and also realise that it was an error and that actually uh, my pictures had just as much chance as anyone else's getting in and my work is just as good as anyone else's. So that's how I think it's changed for me. Not that it's gone away, not that it's particularly different, but how my ability to recognise it, even though sometimes it still fucks me over, is probably better than it was. And hopefully that means it's taken some of its power away. I feel like it gets me less than it used to. So that's my answer. <laughs> and, you know, there was a time, I agree. I, and, I, I, and I love you, mom. <laughs> <laughs> I have now, I've now had 14 years to perfect that look. And apparently yeah, I, 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 give, I give good mom looks. Um, yeah. I, we also have a joke around here because John Brownstone finds himself every so often going, you know, you were right. And I have started saying, you know, if we just started from that premise, just... Let's just start there. I'm going to be right most of the time. I'm not right most of the time, but I like being right. Yeah. It makes me happy. Yeah, me yeah, too. It feels so good. Oh, it feels so good. Um, and I'm usually, I'm better at being right about other people than I am about myself. So, yeah, well. Yeah. Um, I am that person who can give all the advice in the world and take none of it. So fun times. Um, so I have kind of a similar sort of view on my own imposter syndrome. I, for a while, did think that I had managed to kind of make it go away. So I've learned over the years with both anxiety and now imposter syndrome, and this is kind of common for some people. It's it's not universal because nothing is. 
But with anxiety, which imposter syndrome is kind of just a form of, um, the fear comes from the unknown. Like you don't know what's going to happen, so you are afraid of it. And one of the common tricks to move through it is to do the thing. And whatever it is, uh, hit publish on a blog post, write a book, record a podcast, like it doesn't matter. Whatever you're anxious about, you do the thing and you do it often enough that you teach your brain that there's less to be afraid of. For me, imposter syndrome has been kind of the same thing. The more I've done a thing, put out informational content with my advice, and here's what I think you should do, because I really enjoy giving advice. It's a thing. I, I like it. Um, the more I've done it, and the world has not come crashing down around my ears, you know, people might disagree with it. People might not want to take it. Lord knows there are sometimes people are mad about it because I have hit a nerve, and I can tell I've hit a nerve because they're just mad about it. Um, but the worst hasn't happened. Nobody's like tapped me on the shoulder and said, you're who the hell are you? What do you know? Uh -huh. Like the Smut Lancer website could have been born in 2015 when I started trying to make money. I, the things I'm talking about now are the things I've been doing since 2015, but I could not have moved through imposter syndrome at that point. I had to right. wait till 2017 when I went, I've got like two years of experience. And if somebody wants to come at me and tell me, I don't know what I'm talking about. I can point to my two years of experience now and really three yeah. years as a freelancer. So, you know, it, the longer I've done things and the worst has not happened, the more confident I become about them. So when it comes to writing blog posts, uh, you cannot like it. You can point out problems. You can tell me you don't agree with me. I'm going to shrug. Like I do not, that does not give me anxiety or make me feel like an imposter the way it does for a lot of my blogger friends out there. Um, I'm not worried about the story I tell. I'm not worried about how I wrote that blog post. I'm not worried about whether I should write that blog post. Am I the most qualified? Does anybody really want to hear my story? Like those thoughts do not occur to me because I am now seven years into blogging thousands mm -hmm. of blog posts later. Right. I know that there will be people who don't like it and they will either move on or they will attempt to troll. And my comment moderation system will catch them and I will delete them and I will move on with my life and I will blog again another uh -huh. day. Like I, and so because that was part of a big part of where my imposter syndrome came from, once I started writing advice and how to and informational opinion, once I realized I didn't have that anymore, I was like, Oh, Oh, clearly I don't have imposter syndrome. And then <laughs> I started, <laughs> right? Dun, dun, dun. Exactly. <laughs> then I started podcasting. And when I look back on podcasting, in the early days, there was some imposter syndrome. It was mostly that I was going to do it wrong. I was going to sound like I didn't know what I was talking about. I was going to stumble over my words. The first probably 15 or 20 episodes of the Loving BDSM podcast were scripted to the word. I read them through 10 times and then I would hit record. And then if, it's, if I still didn't like it, we would re-record. It was the most stressful thing. I could never have kept that up. I did it uh -huh. because I was terrified of misspeaking. I was terrified of saying the wrong thing. And at some point I relaxed. It was when I brought John Brownstone in with me and said, hey, let's do this together and let's just make this a conversation. And I still worried about misspeaking. And I was still, I've never been reserved when somebody put a microphone in front of me, but I was less unreserved than I am now. I was more reserved then than I am now. Um, and now I, you could, 
turn on the mic and I'm going to start talking. I might have the thought later of, oh crap, did that even make sense? Was that, were those uh-huh. words intelligible? But before I would have to listen to every single word before we could hit publish. And then I'd have to hit it again after we hit publish because I was like, oh my God, if I screwed up and I start getting angry tweets or angry DMs, uh-huh. I need to know why. And I was convinced. And then I did it enough that that I learned that, yeah, people will critique. Right. People will, and we've taken on some some good criticism of, okay, John Brown's is too damn quiet. I can't hear him. Or, yeah, I really like your rambling stories, but you distracted me in the middle of your point there. Like, I've taken on that criticism and adjusted because it made sense to me. So there I am. I feel like that's more constructive feedback yes. than... Yes. That's the difference, I think. There is a difference. And when I've been in the grips of imposter syndrome with it, all feedback is the end of the world, constructive or not, right? So I've had moments where I was just at a wobbly moment in my podcasting life, and I read really good feedback, constructive, not unkind, not trolly, not asshole. And I had to shut it down, walk away, and go cry because my brain went, look at you, you failed. Right. Because that was me. That wasn't what they were saying to me. That was how I was taking it. And then I could either send that message to John Brownstone and go, could you read this like with your healthy brain? Because he he does get imposter syndrome. He does get worried, but he just doesn't feel it on the level <laughs> I felt it. Um, and he could like talk me down or whatever. But Or if I just gave uh-huh. myself time and I calmed down, then I could come back to it. And that's how we've, we made some adjustments in how we podcast and how – things we've done and some things people would like us to do differently. And I go, no, no, because I don't right. have imposter syndrome on that anymore. I know that there's always ways to improve, but I also am listening to my audience who says, Hey, we like this about you. Please don't stop. So when, when some rando shows up who is not part of the community and they don't like something, I go, okay, you just don't like that. My I'm uh-huh. calm enough not to freak out. So then I thought, okay, okay, no imposter syndrome over podcasting. I could podcast for days. This is great. Let's do this. And then I went to video. <laughs> and so. It's like every time you're like, I've sorted this out. Now I'm going to make myself a new Right. Problem. Now I'm going to go do something new because won't that be fun? And and it it is <laughs> fun. And let me tell y'all, if you have not... If you have not tried video or you've considered video and you've rejected it, first of all, if you've considered it and rejected it, not just for uh, anonymity concerns, that's totally a valid concern, but because of the imposter syndrome, that imposter syndrome is real because it is one thing to have your written words out there, which you can go back and you can like edit that blog post whenever you need to. And it's another thing to have your voice out there, which is a very intimate way of of sharing content and and sharing your thoughts Uh and ideas. And I love podcasting. But, oh, my God, doing video just takes it to a completely different level. Because now (laughs) you can edit out your words later if you need to. You cannot fundamentally change what you look like. You cannot fundamentally change the sound of your voice. And technically, I guess you can with the power of editing. I don't have those kind of resources or time or desire. Time, right. You're just going to get me in all my glory. The one thing that I do... I do, do, I do 
do with every video is that will be the one day I put makeup on. <laughs> like nobody wants to see like the the deep, deep, deep circles under my eyes and nobody needs to see the red spots on my cheeks and oh, I broke out, let's cover that shit up. Um, but the more you put yourself out there and now we're I'm I've moved from written word and my thoughts to here's my entire being. Let me just be out uh -huh. there for you. Um, imposter syndrome flares there and it's starting to die down. I'm starting to find a rhythm. Like we live stream the loving BDSM podcast and I know it's going to be like wild. I know that that live stream is not for newbies to come discover who we are because you will wonder what wild place you have wandered into. Like who are these weird people who can't stop talking about coffee and every once in a while, they'll, they might talk about kink, too. Like, they are really serious about their coffee. And also, oh, yeah, they did mention a kink thing, but it took 20 minutes to get into that video. To get there. Right. And the, the existing audience understands it, loves it, blah, blah, blah. The new people are like, what? So what is, what is happening? happening here? So I actually started creating shorter videos to help those new people figure out, one, we know what the hell we're talking about, and two, here's why you might like us. Um so now I'm on a, and, and that has started to die down because I now have methods in place. That's, that's the thing. I have processes. Did we right. script it out? Are we speaking and advising from a place of authenticity and our, our personal truth? Um, are these things we've said before, but we're just repackaging it in different ways. And those things calm me the hell down. And I've also accepted uh -huh. I'm nearly 40. This is what I look like. It's not changing. Some people will like it and some people don't. It is what it is. You would find out if you met me in person. So how am I going to like get all freaked out? Because you see me uh -huh. in a video. If you ever met me in real life, this is what I look like. So those things I've calmed down about. And the thing I have noticed over time, the more I do this stuff, is the quicker I calm down from imposter syndrome. The new imposter syndrome is something I am struggling with and I am procrastinating on. That is a big part of imposter syndrome. There's a lot of procrastination that goes into it. Um, is getting more comfortable making it, this is so weird to say, but making it easier to make money. So I'm a freelancer. I have a lot of client work. Yes, I get imposter syndrome. I used to get imposter syndrome with every new client. I was like, oh Lord, they're going to figure out that I don't know what I'm doing. That, right. Here is the God's honest truth about that, at least from my limited perspective. No company who doesn't know who you are will keep paying you if you suck. Okay. So right. I've got one client I have worked with since 2014. He became an official client directly through me instead of the third party I was working through in 2015. He pays me every month. He sends me extra jobs. He reaches out to me for certain bits of content that is not part of our normal contract and agreement. Uh -huh. I can't possibly suck. I might not be the best out there, right? but my imposter syndrome is a big fat liar because they will, people will not pay you consistently yeah. if you suck. So yeah. that yeah. was a great way to get over imposter syndrome. But on the other side of the money side, I'm trying to make more income from our sites, Loving BDSM, The Smut Lancer, blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. For a long time, it was hard to pimp Patreon out. There was something about it. I was like, oh, why would anybody care? It's just me. Uh, 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 it was awful. Now my issue is with adding affiliate links. So most content creators, we are well aware that when you talk about a product, you do a review, you feature a product in your story, you whatever, you're going to link to an affiliate link if you have it. Uh -huh. But I am taking on the knowledge 
and the understanding through a lot of my own research and listening to best practices from vanilla folk and whatever, that you need to find ways to naturally and authentically include affiliate links in high performing pieces of content that are not specifically about a product. So on Loving BDSM, I have a, a post about different types of collars, like, and it's not even every kind of collar out there, but it's like the basic categories of collars, a day collar, a play uh -huh. collar, a training collar, blah, blah, blah. It gets thousands of views a week on this website. It has not one affiliate link. And I have a really good friend who's an SEO guy and he's like, Kayla, this is a massively perform. You are number one in Google search for submissive collar. Like that's huge. There are companies who sell collars who would kill to be on page one of Google. He's like, why do you not have an affiliate link in this site? Right. I'm like, because it's not about selling a product. I'm trying to just give information away for free. <laughs> is it is it okay to like send somebody to another site and hopefully they'll buy something? What if it's a product I haven't used yet? And he's like, he didn't say it this way, but the tone was, bitch, please. <laughs> right. <laughs> go put some damn affiliate links in these posts. So I have a strategy and a plan for... Um, for loving BDSM for our high performing pieces and then some plans going forward to include natural fit product links that I think would be beneficial to a person who comes to that post and wants to know more about that stuff. But my imposter syndrome is like, no, no, you're a sellout. You're selling out to the man. You're just trying to make money <laughs> off your audience. It's like, well, yeah, I'm trying to fucking make money off my audience. That's part of the reason to fucking build the audience. So that, right. So my imposter syndrome never completely goes away. It just shifts. It just shifts to the next thing I'm doing. Um, but the thing I can say for making, especially if, if somebody out there who's listening is not trying to do all the things and you just want to stick with like blogging or you just want to stick with podcasting, like you're just trying to create one kind of form of content or have one kind of website and that's all you want to mm -hmm. do. The thing I have found is that the more often I do something and the world does not crash down around my ears and all of my fears about being called out and found out that I was a fake and what the hell do I know? The more I do it, the less I feel that. It, right. it also, I have found, it. Some, I, sometimes it goes one of both ways. Sometimes I have situations kind of like the one you mentioned with um, that photography submission where I don't realize at the moment that it's imposter syndrome kind of going, you don't mm -hmm. want to do that. And then I look back and go, fuck, I missed that opportunity. It, it totally happens to me too. Mm -hmm. I give you the mom look from a place of knowing because that happens to me. <laughs> But the other is that sometimes it hits me so strong. Like I know exactly what's stopping me and it is imposter syndrome and it'll knock me right. back for that. Like, whoo. And um, maybe that's why I always keep myself so busy. When those moments happen, unless it's a, a calling I have, a thing I have to do, like I, I can't stop thinking about it and I can't stop mapping it out and I can't stop planning it. If it's not doing that to me, it's very easy for me to go, oh, I don't have time for that even though what's making me not want to do it is imposter syndrome. But I recognize that I recognize that I'm feeling like an imposter and oh, I, I have had many people tell me to write a nonfiction book and I'm like, <laughs> but I'm not a book writer. I'm a blogger. I'm a podcaster. I'm a like, 
who, what, who, uh? And so could I make time to write a book about BDSM or DS relationships or whatever, making money? Like, could I do that? I'm sure I could, but my brain goes, stop, no, danger, danger, danger. And I recognize that. I, I know I'm feeling it. And so I go, that's right. for later because I got all this other shit I want to do. Um, right. So, yeah, I, even when you think maybe you can get over it because now you've been a blogger for 10 years and maybe you are like uh -huh. me and the more you do a thing, the less you feel that 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 anxiousness and that feeling feeling like an imposter. Um when it does hit you again, sometimes it's like a Mack truck. Sometimes it'll knock you down. You're like, oh, oh, shit, I forgot what that felt like. Oh, that's uh -huh. brutal. So I don't, I think if you are prone to imposter syndrome, you always have it in some form. I think you're right, uh -huh. though. I think it's about finding ways to recognize it and manage it. That right. That the difference. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, in some ways, I think what you've described is very similar to me because it's about becoming self more self-aware um, of what it is, of what you're doing, essentially. That often you're... Or what is motivating you to do what you do? So you're not doing it, as I said, because I convinced myself because I was too busy. Actually, the truth was, I, I was also like, oh, and who would want to see my picture anyway? Um, and I worked that... I think being more self-aware allowed me to realize that much quicker and to go, well, I missed a thing there. And I think the other thing I really want to say is to be kind to yourself, like to be like, I could have let that really get me right down because not only did I, I have imposter syndrome, but the imposter syndrome tricked me into making a mistake. And so then I could have been really annoyed with myself and then like, well, now I'm even more useless because I didn't do that thing. Whereas actually, I kind of congratulate myself that I realized what had happened and I'm able to say, well, well done, because look, you looked at this and you realized what you did and you, yes, you missed out on a thing, but actually you learned a thing and now you'll be more aware next time you see one of those calls and you feel the urge, you'll, get, you'll do it. So... Yeah, just try not to be so hard on yourself and be like, I mean, I think, I mean, I don't know who, who is the person without imposter syndrome? Like, I don't know who that person is. Narcissist. I guess some, some, right, <laughs> I guess some fucking, but I think mostly imposter syndrome, is it healthy? I don't know that it's healthy, but I think it's a completely understandable thing to happen because you're a, thinking person who I think we all think through the different scenarios of what could potentially happen in any situation we're meant to do that or as humans we're conditioned to do that which is what stops us from you know I don't know putting our hand in the fire or you know walking out in front of a bus because we realize what the potential outcomes for those could be but any decision that we make constantly all day every day we're assessing whether you know what is the outcome to me doing x what is the outcome and very we're doing it without even realizing that we're like well there could be outcome a outcome b outcome c uh, but i'm gonna do it you know and that's literally everything from making a cup of tea to deciding to write your blog post and um i think just being like in some ways, I think imposter syndrome can be not a good thing. I think knowing that you have it, being able to identify it as for what it is 
And then being able to go, well, what effect is it having me? How is it stopping me? And being able to express it to other people to say, like, I'm having a crisis of confidence. I actually think sometimes can be really healthy. I think you can find a new strength in you when you actually are able to look at that part of you and go, well, what is going on there? And why do I think that? Because often when you look at it and go, why do I think that? You actually realize that it's based in nothing like actually it's silly like what was what was the worst thing that could happen if I put my picture into that exhibition the worst thing that could happen was that they said no in which case I'd have been relieved because I wouldn't have had to fuck about trying to get a print to them in New York do you know what I mean like what was that like I don't even know why I let myself do that like so it was, it is, you know, it, it's a, a bit silly. What I'm proud about, actually, is that I can sit here and talk about it and almost like laugh at myself in a weird way for the mistake I made. And I think that if you can do that, then I think you can next time get a different result and that you're constantly learning and evolving and forgiving yourself for when you let it stop you doing something to go well that's a bit crappy i made a mistake but i can take something positive away from it like next time i won't do that and i think if you're doing that then you're doing okay and uh, yeah don't and also don't be alone with imposter syndrome that's probably the worst thing like don't be alone with it it's fucking we're all doing it at some point or other and you know again i'm going to we're going to loop right back around to community to having a space where you can say, do you think I should do this thing? I had this idea. Do you think it's a good idea? And to also make sure that in that community or with that, whether it's your friend like Kayla and I, or whether it's your partner, that it's somebody you trust who's going to say, that's a cracking idea or that idea is a bit suspect. <laughs> <laughs> like you want a relationship we want to build a relationship with people where you know that you can trust them uh to be honest with you and that maybe they'll say that's a great idea but have you thought about um because those conversations are really important and also allow you to gain confidence in your ideas um because then somebody then essentially immediately gives you another idea because you probably haven't thought about whatever it, the thing is that they've thought about but the minute you meant they mention it, then you're like, oh, no, I hadn't. But now you've given me an, how that idea can work as a result. So I do think being on your own with imposter syndrome, I think is probably like a huge mistake. Like if you know it's there and you're having it, like find those people who can help and support you in those moments. Right. And if the person you tend to go to the most, maybe they're a partner, maybe uh, who knows, like who knows who they might be, but everything they say is, Oh no, that's awful. Or you don't know what you're doing. And every bit of feedback is kind of negative. They are not the person to go to. I, yeah. you want somebody who is both a cheerleader, like somebody who's like, yeah, you can do this. I believe in you. But yes. also somebody who's willing to yes. question your ideas. Like, no, I promise you, no ideas are perfect. I have learned because I hate to be questioned. Oh my God, I hate to be questioned. I've learned when I bring an idea to John Brownstone that I'm like, okay, here's what I've thought about. And yes, let's sit on this for a while. Or, okay, okay, I don't mean we're going to do this new idea tomorrow. I just want to put it out there. Like we have now have formed that uh, connection with with my ideas where I know he's going to give me feedback but he knows I know he's going to give me feedback and I'm giving him space to mm -hmm. do that 
because I trust him. He's going to say both the good and the bad. He's going to question it. And he's also going to go, but if you move forward, I support you. Um, and if the most immediate people in your life, the easiest to get in touch with, like a partner or a friend who doesn't do what you do, but you know, you're like, but they're my friend. If they can't do both, if, if you look back on your interactions in your head and they're not doing both in general with everything you want to talk about, that's not the, that's not who to go to. That's just not who to go to. Um, mm -hmm. You do want to start sort of forming your own community. Yes, please, please feel free to join us on Patreon, patreon.com slash smutlancers. Yeah. Um, but if that's not an option, start reaching out to other bloggers, maybe people who are just as new as you are or people who write similar things to you, but maybe not the exact same people you admire, people you, um, who you read as well and email them or DM them on Twitter or whatever. And just, and say, I'm trying to put together a, a community where we can build each other up so that the other person you're reaching out to get something from it too and form your own little space and, and create your own cheerleading group and, and then have a place to, message and go oh my god today's such a bad day i want to write about this but uh i'm sure i suck at it and then they can build you up and lift you up and tell you you don't and you can get that little bit of outside feedback and then when you have an idea or you or like if molly had dm'd a certain somebody and said i saw this thing but i'm kind of uh i would have hounded her ass for weeks i'd be like bitch have you submitted yet and sometimes that's what we need to is we need somebody who will push us. And I'm happy to push my friend Molly. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I think, and also like sometimes some setting deadlines for yourselves and setting goals and stuff like that can really help as well. So if you're looking, and I mean, maybe that's something we should talk about in a separate um, episode, I think, like perhaps goal setting oh, yeah. um, and how that can be useful. So... But yeah, I think having that being like, you know, I'm going to achieve this thing can help power through um, imposter syndrome. Because if you're like, well, no, I need to do this because I set myself this goal, then you will push on, hopefully, in the quest for your goal and set aside the demon in your head that's going, yeah, but you're rubbish at it. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, again, we're back to putting in place... Um, things that work for you. And the key is to learn what works for you because what works for you might not work for me. Um, and I think as I, that's where I feel like I am better at this is that I am more aware of what works for me and can actually often manage it on my own. Not that I need to, but like, because I'm, I'm more self-aware of it, can be like, okay, there's a thing. Look at that there. Huh. I see you, imposter syndrome. Um, and so, and I think part of that also then allows you to reach out to other people going, so I'm having a real moment of imposter syndrome and I don't think I should do this. Um, so, yeah, I think putting those in place is really important. Being self-aware and forgiving yourself. Because if you don't forgive yourself, you can't ever move on for it. If you're constantly beating yourself up over it, like the, like the, the photo thing if i was still upset and angry with myself for missing out on that opportunity i one i wouldn't be able to talk about it in the way that i did because it, it would have been i've been angry with myself or upset with myself 
And two, I then never really let it go and you never really move on from it. Whereas actually I was able to look at it, be a bit disappointed with myself and now I can like laugh about it. Like, well, that was a bit silly. Um, but you know what? Actually, it's all fine. The world isn't going to end. I, I missed an opportunity, which is a shame, but there will be another one. I know there will be at some point. And hopefully when that comes along, I can take it because I will have know what I did this last time. So I think self-forgiveness is so important. I agree. The other thing I would say um, to wrap it up, some of you out there have already created blogs or podcasts or videos or whatever mm -hmm. your content is. And you have maybe a small, but you have an audience and hopefully it's going to grow. Yeah. And the biggest disservice, I think, and I, this is a little bit of, you have to kind of mind fuck yourself here, okay? You got, and I, this is advice I give to submissives who can't find it in themselves to believe their doms, dominance when their dominance tell them something good. So I'm going to give this to um, creators to use when you can't believe you're doing something good. You need to believe your audience. If you're a submissive, I'm going to tell you, well, when you say I'm not very good, but my dominant said I was, you've just called your dominant a liar. If you are creating content and you're saying, I'm not very good, but you've got an audience on Twitter, in yes. the comments, wherever going, I love that. That's yes. great. You've just called your audience a liar. You've just said that they yes. don't know what the hell they're talking about and you don't need to believe them. And, and you can choose to handle this any way you want, but the best mind fuck I ever did to myself was to decide that I can say that I'm not beautiful or I can choose to believe that John Brownstone says I'm beautiful. And if I say that I'm not beautiful, I've called him a liar mm -hmm. and my little submissive heart just went, oh, no, we can't do that. So if you are wanting to develop a strong relationship with an audience or you find that you have, you have one or two readers or a dozen readers or whoever, mm -hmm. that they are consistently there and they you look for them and you miss them when they're not there. Maybe you're reading their content. When you say, I'm no good at this, I shouldn't write this blog post, think back uh -huh. to the audience, no matter how small they may be, who has given you positive feedback and said, you're really good at taking these pictures. That was a really good post. I love it when you write about fill in the blank. When, if it helps, please use it, because it helps in other ways sometimes. Believe your audience. The internet is a very crowded, busy place nobody spends time on things that they think suck. There are people who will hate read stuff. I worry about them. I really would like them to see a therapist, but right. um, <laughs> the vast majority of us do not spend time on things that we think suck, that we hate, that we're not interested in. So don't look sure. at your overall numbers. Don't go, Oh, I only had 20 views this today. I wish it had been 200. Look at the, the, um, uh, what's the word I want? Sort of your your history. Have you had 20 views consistently yeah. every day? Do you know from the likes or the comments that you're getting the same two or three, five, 10, 15, 100 people coming back time after time? They are right. your audience. And if they're coming back time after time, it's because they think you're worth reading or listening to or interacting with in some way. Even if they're not over there rah-rahing you from the side and being a big cheerleader, they're right. showing up. That, if you can't listen to your own brain and you can't listen to all of the logical, practical tips, listen to your audience. Uh -huh. And that was, for me, ultimately, every time I moved through an imposter syndrome stage because I decided to do something new, that's what I fall back on. 
is my audience happy? Are, are people coming still? Are new people showing up? Are people staying? Are people saying, hey, I really enjoyed that? And I can be kind of self-deprecating. I don't know if y'all noticed. Um, I do it on Loving BDSM all the time. I'm like, oh, I'm such a rambler. And I mean it when I say it. I don't say it to get somebody to tell me that I'm not. I am a rambler, y'all. I will ramble for hours. Put a microphone on and I'll just start talking. But I get enough people who say, yeah, you do. But that's kind of what we like about you. And I go, uh -huh. huh, okay, not everybody's gonna like it. That's okay. I'm not here to make everybody happy, but those people like it. And those people are my audience. So therefore, I'm gonna trust them. Yeah. So if nothing else, trust, no matter how small it might be right now, trust your audience. Mm -hmm. And that's why the tagline on my blog was something that I came up with years ago, which is I see myself through others' eye, through others eyes and I am made anew which is a reference also to my images that I take those pictures, I see what I see, but then I put them out there and I get to, to, to some extent, see what other people see or how they see from the comments and stuff. And also learning that from Michael as well, as you said, believing when somebody says that you are sexy or beautiful or talented, being like, learning to just say thank you is a really powerful thing rather than go, oh no, I'm not, or don't be silly, or but I've got a big bum or whatever, you know, I've got saggy arms or whatever, is to just, when someone says you're really sexy or you look beautiful, it's actually really empowering, I have learned, to just say thank you. Because then you, and when you do it, you actually, I feel the difference. I'm like, okay, I'm actually accepting your statement as truth and thanking you for it. So rather than trying to qualify it for you, for that person, I'm not doing that. Um, and I think that can be really helpful too. And I'm my, it's similar really with the old imposter syndrome, syndrome thing is that, yes, if someone's saying to you, your blog post is brilliant or your picture is amazing or your bum looks fantastic or whatever, that actually if you go, oh, thank you, um, actually you start to absorb that as the truthful feedback rather than the thing where you used to, which you used to do, which is where you heard them say, oh, your hair looks lovely. And actually what you would have said in the past is, oh yeah, it's, you know, oh, thanks, but I wish it was longer or I wish it was not gray or rather than just going, oh, thank you. That's really nice. Um, yeah, believing that stuff, I think can really help you to quieten, quiet, quieten, some of that stuff in your brain that is this those retorts where somebody says oh great boobs and you're like yeah but they're really saggy <laughs> rather than where you go oh thank you um it's try it seriously really guys try it it's something that's taken me a long time to do but really really try it try really hard spend like a whole day or a week if you can when somebody gives you a compliment or says a nice thing do not qualify it for them do not qualify for it for them. Accept it as the absolute truth and be happy that they said it to you. Do it for a week. Come back and tell me if you feel any different. You might not, but I know for me, it's been hugely powerful. Exactly. Just like no is a complete sentence. So is thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. And, with, <laughs> and exactly, on that note. That's exactly what I was going to say. And not. Uh, with that thank y'all for listening to us we were so silly we thought this would be shorter but it's also kind of a big topic 
So we could mm-hmm. probably do more on imposter syndrome if we thought about it. Um, if this raised any questions for you or thoughts, yeah. feel free to reach out to us on Twitter, uh, at the Smut Lancer, at Molly's Daily Kiss, um, at Eroticon UK, yeah? I'm remembering you right? Yes. Or at Kayla Lords. Like, we're, y'all, we're everywhere. Molly currently, as of time of recording, is so shadow banned on Twitter. Uh, yes. Every time I try and follow you, it won't even autofill your name for me. Like, I even type in, I go to search at Molly's Daily Kiss and hit enter. And then I, I like, I have to still search for you. Twitter is so fucking with you right now. It sucks so bad. Um, but you can uh, comment on the show notes page of this episode if you listen to it on the web. Uh, if you're a subscriber to any of our emails, you can hit reply and ask, like, anytime any episode gives you thoughts gives you feels gives you questions right just reach out and if we don't answer you directly we might answer you in um a mailbag episode uh which uh behind the scenes fact we're going to record as soon as we're done here um and then of course if you join us on patreon where yes we have a community of people who are doing this just like you and who feel just like you do about a lot of this stuff um at the five dollar and up level you get access to a slack group where we have different channels and threads or whatever and one is ask anything one is rants one is you know like all kinds of stuff places to go be with a community of people who get it who understand it who have a lot of the same fears or who have advice on overcoming those fears so that is Uh patreon.com slash the small answers so With that, I think we're going to be done with this one, and we will be back with you in the next episode next week where we answer some questions because we enjoy that. I think, yeah. Remember, remember just, just say, say thank, thank you. you. When I tell you, I, y'all, I love you. When I read your blog post, and I think it's great, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is amazing, uh, and I'm, like, just, like, drooling all over your comment section, it's okay. Just say thank you. You, you don't. <laughs> you, you don't have to email me about how it wasn't really that good, and you, like really you know there were all these problems and you wish you could just say thank you just say thank you please just say thank you okay we're gonna go we will be back with you next week bye See you later.